Growing Up Baby with Haley Zimak. Hi, and thanks for listening. To try and understand what my next guest went through during her pregnancy, imagine having the worst case of the flu you've ever had for nine months straight. That means unrelenting nausea and vomiting for over 270 days. Pair that with an extremely high-pressure job, like hosting a live TV show, and you have a situation that understandably leaves one mentally and physically unwell to the point of hopelessness. I'm so appreciative that Vashi Capello shared with such raw honesty the challenges she faced both during and after her pregnancy. Her candor inspired me, and I'm sure will many others who find themselves in that precarious situation between sickness and health. Here's our conversation. Vashi, thank you so much for your time today. I'm really excited to chat with you. You're a well-known TV and radio host. You're a celebrated and award-winning journalist, and you are used to asking the tough questions on a (laughs) national platform. But I have to ask you, Vashi, what is more stressful, getting a straight answer from some of your guests or getting your little guy to sleep through the night? (laughs) (laughs) Definitely the latter. Um, yeah, I, I sleep trained. So 80% of the time, it's not that stressful, but many other points of the, of the year or of the 22 months can be stressful at that. No competition. Taking care of a baby is a million times harder than asking hard questions on TV. Okay, fair enough. Well, and a belated congratulations to you. So we're here today to chat about your little guy, Nicholas, who, uh, if my Instagram sleuthing is correct, will turn to this summer. Is that correct? Yes, on June 1st. Yes. Oh, amazing. Amazing. Do you have any uh, big like birthday party plans yet? I know we're a little bit early, but... Um, that's a good question. I feel like uh, last year we went to tr- my family's in Toronto. Um, so we were there. Uh, so we celebrated with my family there. But this year, I think we'll be here. So probably just, yeah, like a backyard party or whatever, something like that. He has no idea what's going on, but it'll be fun for us, I guess. <laughs> oh, I know. We did. Silas turned one in September and, you know, you get oh. everyone together and you get the decorations and, you know, people and it's kind of, it's fun, but it's a little bit stressful. And he's just like trucking about playing with his bus and <laughs> smashing a cupcake into his face. So basically, uh, yes. Congratulations on your, oh. uh, on your kid too. That's exciting. Thank you. Thank you. Well, your little guy's older than mine. So I have to ask, are you ready for the so-called terrible twos? I'm already in it. I'm pretty sure I'm already in it. Yes. He's very, he has a lot of attitude, (laughs) which is not unexpected. And it's actually, we went through like a period, maybe a few months ago where I found he was like all of a sudden having tantrums, not even instigated by me saying no. And, um, He's like a, be- a bit better now, to be honest. It's not as bad, surprisingly. So I feel like I got a taste of what the terrible twos or whatever you want to call it is uh, entails. Um, and it was rough. I'm not going to lie. It was very random. And it was always early in the morning. You know, like everything I find with kids, my my one of my best friends gave me good advice. Like, this too shall pass. Like, everything is like a cycle. It just, it comes and it goes eventually, the good and the bad. Yeah, no, it's a great point. We were having some major sleep issues. And that's kind of one of the things I was reminding myself, you know, at two and four and six in the morning and working on five hours of sleep, like, it's okay, right? It is but a a drop Mm -hmm. in the ocean of time, you'll get through it. Totally. So when you kind of reflect back on the past, you know, 22 ish months or so, can you share some of the highlights that that come to mind? And I'm sure there are too many to list, but I'm just curious about what this experience has been like for you. Everything. (laughs) For me, the highlight started when he was born because I was so sick during my pregnancy. So um, basically I had hyperemesis. So the second that he was born, it it's like this crazy disease that just goes away as soon as the baby is born. So I feel like that was a huge highlight for me that I just felt healthy again, because 
nine months of that level of illness was like really debilitating both mentally and physically for me. So I I was super pumped when that happened. And that was definitely a highlight. I also loved Matt Leaf. Like I thought I would hate it, to be honest, because all I have ever done is work. And I feel like sort of my ambition has defined me to a a great extent. So I was like, oh, I'm going to go off air for eight months and just stay home. Uh, I felt like I was going to go a little bit cuckoo and I'd be super insecure and feel like I was missing out on everything. Cause that's another thing I'm sure you're familiar with kind of like FOMO and news and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And I, I didn't feel any of that. So I love like the mat leave as a whole, I loved every second of it. I felt as though, I don't know, I had no regrets about taking that time off. So th- that was great. And I feel like he was a great baby like I was very lucky in that respect like he wasn't perfect he wasn't you know often you hear moms like oh he's such a happy baby and that never cries like no he cried and stuff like that but he was a good sleeper from you know four months on we've had our ups and downs but in general I found it like I could handle it I guess and he was just such a he's just so sweet and so I really enjoyed all the like kind of developmental milestones and he hit them all very like he's I like to say he's like very average like everything he hit was <laughs> very average he walked at 14 months he crawled at nine months like all those kinds of things so I those definitely punctuate a lot of my memories as far as the highlights go and then I would say more recently he's speech delayed he was very behind at like his 18 month checkup for the amount of words he had and stuff and so we started working with a speech therapist and now he's he's come a really long way. And so it sounds weird, but that's kind of a highlight for me as well. It's the first big challenge that we faced really with mm-hmm. him. And I just love seeing him accomplish things and the enthusiasm he shows for it. Like, yeah, he gets so excited and he's so pumped for our affection and our adulation and our love. Yeah. And I just, I know you know what that's like. Like, it's just the greatest feeling. And so I like, I think for me, a highlight is seeing you know, him surmount that challenge. And then also us, because I was freaking out completely. And now I realize that, you know, we can navigate stuff like that. So I would say that's the most recent highlight. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. Can I ask, how did you realize he was delayed? Because I don't know about you, but as a first time mom, you know, you don't always know what you don't know, right? So you turn to the mm-hmm. internet a lot. Of course, you have your your checkups or the looksy checklist. But was it? Did you identify the delay? Did your pediatrician? How did that work? I knew uh, when we went into the eighteen month checkup. Like I had a gut feeling just from like the reading that I had done. Uh, I knew they should have somewhere around a handful of words at a bare mm-hmm. minimum. And he, my issue was he had a few words, but he only knew one that he ascribed correctly meaning to. So like it was banana. Other things, like he would say things that that were words, but he wasn't approximating them to an actual object or a sentiment. And so I was, I don't know why I was pretty worried right away at 18 months because I had noticed such, so much cognitive development until about 16, 17 months. And then it really slowed. The um, pediatrician was like, yep, he's definitely behind, but like, I'm not I'm not panicked at all because everything else is on track. So if you want, you can read this book. It was sort of like check in again at three months. And that's I I think a more relaxed person would probably do that, but I wasn't. And Mm. he also had been sick so much since we started daycare. So I started to feel as though that was impeding his development a little bit as well. And so I, uh, I just started talking to some friends and then this is going to sound crazy, but my Instagram like algorithm started sending me all these videos basically saying, here are the signs, like this has how I knew my 18 month old 
would be autistic. So I start to be, I start to become very stressed out and not necessarily like, I'm not that gullible to be like, oh, this is my kid, but like, you'd see like this thing here, or this thing here. That, So I, um, I basically found a speech therapist through a friend of mine uh, who can, you know, looks, can look for red flags beyond just speech development as well. And so then they just assessed him and it was all done virtually, which is also wild to me. And then we just started every other week with speech therapy and like, I've totally calmed down and he's doing amazing now and stuff like that. But it was, I was kind of beyond stress, to be honest with you. Like I was so worried and there, because of his sickness as well, like I really thought from 17 months till about 19 months, like there was almost no development. Okay. Like it wasn't like, you know, I don't know what stage you're in, but you'll now it's like a couple of words every three days type of thing, or mm-hmm. at least every week you're seeing like a week to week, you see real changes. And I just stopped seeing those changes. And so it wasn't necessarily that he was behind that bothered me at all. It was like the lack of progress, the lack of development that seems so different than the first you know, year and a half of his life, basically. Um, so now I feel way more relieved. He's still behind. Like he's, it's not like he's speaking in three words together all the time or whatever, but, but he's not nearly as behind as he was before. And again, that doesn't really worry me. I, I really am confident he'll, he'll go at his own pace, but it's that I see progress almost mm-hmm. daily now, day to day. And certainly week to week that has made me so much less stressed out about it. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Well, and you have a team now, right? You have people working yeah. with you on this to to improve. So, well, good good on you. And early intervention is is so important. Um, and now you mentioned being so sick uh, when you were pregnant, and I just can't imagine what that was like. Like I was, I was lucky. I was working from home. It was COVID. But you, you were hosting Power and Politics on CBC mm-hmm. News, correct? I like, was. Yeah, you were live on camera. For, yeah, three oh. hours a night. It went to. Uh, I think it was like eight weeks into my pregnancy, and we went to a three-hour show from a two-hour show during the U.S. election. So the timing was was great. Was perfect. Oh, yeah. It was a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> How did you do it? I remember seeing your post, you know, you had like a a bucket and a cot and and your coworkers yeah. were bringing you like diet coke and chocolate to help you get through it. How did you manage, honestly? I mean, honestly, I did because of them. Uh, I worked, my executive producer at the time, uh, Nicole Arams, uh, was like my biggest, I don't even know how I would be here right now to be, to be and I'm not trying to be dramatic, if, if it weren't for the amount of support that she showed me and upper management, like everybody was really, really supportive of me and helpful. But ultimately, it's like, uh, I, I just sort of put the pressure on myself. Like I felt like I could not be absent for two years. And hold that job. And that's that's me being very honest. Um, I don't that's not a pressure that was applied to me. And now in hindsight, I'm like, well, maybe maybe I could have, but I just didn't feel like I was secure enough in that job or in my career to be like, you know what, guys, I'm just gonna take not only the whole pregnancy off, but also uh maternity leave as well. And I really did want to take at least a few months in in the maternity leave. So I just I I don't know how to describe it to be like I feel like I don't wanna I don't wanna be dramatic, but I also don't want to misrepresent the what it feels like to work when you're sick. And I just, I mean, I had to see a psychiatrist because I became so mentally, I don't know if depressed is the right word, but I just was hopeless. And the feeling of never having relief from, it's like as if your worst flu just never abates for nine straight months. And 
even when you throw up, you don't feel any relief. You just keep throwing up. It's so that's gross. I'm sorry, but <laughs> no, no, um, I appreciate your honesty and your candor because I had a relatively smooth pregnancy, but there were days when I felt just atrocious. You need right. to lay down, you need to sleep. You know, I really wasn't vomiting. I had a lot of nausea and food aversions and things like that. And like right. you're operating, and when you're used, I mean, you're operating at a hundred normally, totally. right? And so I get it because when you're operating at if 10 or a deficit, it's not bearable long-term. So no, the only thing that gave me hope was that eventually it would end. And I, um, yeah, I just sort of, I mean, I, I don't even know to say like I dealt with it. I, I just would sob on the car on the way to work. I would sob on the way home. I would call my husband 10 minutes before every show at five o'clock and sob to him from the cot. Like I, I, I didn't, I didn't know how to cope with it. I didn't, um, I, I don't know. I still don't. Like, I feel like even it really did affect me. I f- feel like more long-term than I, I usually admit. And mm-hmm. I kind of buried it. Like I, I was so relieved when it was over the second that he was born, it ended. Yeah. And so I just wanted to be happy. Like I just wanted to be healthy and happy again. So I just never thought about it. Honestly, this sounds terrible, but I just put, uh, buried it and, and moved on. And now in certain aspects, even like with my relationship with my husband, I'm like, oh, that's, you know, it's changed so much. And I realized like, well, a lot of it is the fact that I was essentially catatonic for nine months. Like we, we didn't share anything close. We didn't, you know, there, there was no intimacy. And I don't mean that in a, you know, I mean like in an emotional way because I was almost like a robot just trying to function and just constantly crying. And so I do think it was a pretty big deal. And I just was so relieved to be able to move on from it that I never really fully processed it, but I am, you know, in a way proud that I got through it and that I kept my job. And <laughs> and then I think it also in a positive way, and I don't know if this is, I mean, not everybody is so lucky to get relief from their illness, their long-term illness, but it certainly made me very like beyond grateful to have my baseline level of health. And yeah. I feel there is not a day that goes by that I am not um, just ha- this is going to sound so crazy. I'm just so happy to be alive. Like, I can't believe that I have a healthy disposition and that I can, you know, not throw up all the time. And I just get to enjoy my life. And this baby was born and he's amazing. And so it it gave me a lot of perspective. It's actually lasted me, you know, now almost two years uh, later. That's incredible. And it's true. You don't know what you have until it's taken away and being so sick and so unhealthy and then going back to your health, you do, you realize how we take it for granted. Completely. It was like instant for me too, because he was born and it was gone. And wow. I could, I remember my husband got me a cappuccino for a second cup in the hospital. And I was like, I feel joy in just tasting food. I feel like this is like the happiest feeling in the world. And even I had a C-section and I was like, whatever, I'm fine. Like I, I felt no... I, I, my recovery, I didn't care about, like, like, I was just so happy not to feel nauseous that I felt almost like impenetrable after that. Yeah. And do you think that that plays a role? You mentioned earlier how much you, you weren't sure if you would enjoy mat leave and, you know, being new Mm -hmm. to the whole motherhood thing. Do you think that that played a role too, because you felt so awful and so sick and then here you are, it's like you're reborn again, almost along with, with your son. That's such a good way to put it. And such a great question. It's, it's exactly the way I felt like every challenge that, you know, uh, like the sleep issues or worrying about is he breathing or not, like all the first time mom things. I honestly felt I never panicked during any of it. And I was not overly stressed for any of it until the speech stuff much later uh, because of that. Because I was like, there is nothing that will compare to how difficult 
things were for nine months. I can get through anything else. And I truly, I truly like felt that the whole mat leave. I love it. You need like an S, like a super woman badge, you know, oh, like not I got all, this. No. <laughs> um, I loved mat leave too. I really did. I was okay. in the same, same kind of thought process as, as you, not nearly as important or on air or anything like that, but you know, how do you leave your job? I worked my entire life. You know, I don't know how to be a mom. And I went off and I loved it. I loved the freedom. I loved the mom yes. groups. I love early on. I love the walks, the coffees, the yeah. lunches, <laughs> you know, like I loved it. I loved just being everywhere, going everywhere all the time with my little bud, you know? Yeah. I feel so, exactly the same way. Yeah. Like, so what was your kind of favorite thing just to, to do with him or to do as a family? I mean, I love being with, I have two stepkids. And so I love seeing all that unfold and they're so sweet with him. And, you know, it's totally changed the dynamic of our family in, I think, uh, um, you know, a great way, but for me, it's kind of similar to you. I love and I still do this. I love hanging out with him alone. I love bringing him with me everywhere. I was very, I live about half an hour outside of Ottawa. So like everything had to be timed a certain way with naps and, you know, him falling asleep in the car and stuff. I would do a morning activity and then an afternoon. And I still kind of like that. Like I brought him everywhere. And yeah. especially because the world reopened basically while I was on my maternity leave. I don't know if it was uh, sort of similar for you, yeah, but I yeah. could bring him to a restaurant trip. I mean, like I would meet like, you know, Tom Clark for lunch and bring him with me. Like it was so, <laughs> it was so fun and I just loved it. And he, I really made a point of not staying inside all the time because I know that's, I mean, some people love it. It's just not for me. Yeah. Um, and so I still feel that way. Like on the weekends, I like, you know, take him to the mall with me. I take him out for lunch. I take him for breakfast. My husband and I do a lot of, you know, the weekends were alone with him or even with the kids. Like I, I like doing things with him. I like bringing him with me. Those are like the best memories I have. I just love that feeling the whole mat leave. Oh, amazing. Well, and he had a really cute CBC onesie too, right? If oh I'm my gosh, mistaken. the sweetest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure I've grown it now. So correct me if I'm wrong. So you were off uh eight months. Eight months. Okay. So then you returned back to CBC and then transitioned to CTV News to host uh power play and question period. So let's talk about that because that is a huge move, a big transition for anyone, I think, in their regular career life, let alone um, you have a, a baby still at home to 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 kind of manage and, and balance. How did you find that transition? Yeah, I think I'm nuts. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I mean. It's sort of I I definitely grappled with the decision because A, I loved hosting power and politics. I love my job there. And I did have a certain sense of security after being there for for a number of years and withstanding the pregnancy. And I also found coming back to work healthy again. Mm -hmm. um, and the show was back down to two hours was like, great. I just was really happy to be honest with you. And I had spent the first few years of my job there being like inordinately stressed out and insecure and feeling awful. So it was great. And, and I was happy to be feeling that way. And so I was not looking. I hadn't, I mean, I was focused on like figuring out how do I do this with a baby uh, living half an hour from town with a husband who works as well with two step. Like I was still just mm. like navigating all of that. Um, I came back in February and uh, I, and, and when I moved to CTV, it was in November. So I, I was back for a, a good chunk of time. And then CTV approached me and I just sort of, it, it's so interesting because initially I, I wasn't sure. And then I just started picturing and some, you know, people in my life had told me like, you know, what would you feel like if someone else did that job? And 
how would you feel? And so I sort of came to the conclusion that I really wanted to give it a shot mm. and that, you know, you don't pick and choose when big opportunities come your way. I, I just felt so, so lucky that I could keep kind of growing in my career, keep, you know, my ambition alive, which was still very much the case, even though I had the baby. And it's not easy. I'm not going to lie. It's a very, I host a radio show during the day. Then I host the five o'clock um, sort of like uh, power play. And then I uh, also do question period on the weekends, which tapes most of the time Friday, but sometimes you have to come in on the weekends to kind of update things. And so it's a lot. It is a really, really big. And then combine that with, I think if my kid had been healthy all the time, it would be much more manageable. But he has is in daycare and it has been a nightmare. So almost every second or third week, he's sick. So in the last month, it's been much more stable. But for the first two months to three, two and a half months, I did this job. Yeah, It was terrible. Like he could not have, he's had three ear infections. Like it, it was like Aww. pretty bad. So, so right away, it's like all the conversations I had with my husband about taking this job were put to the test because I was like, <laughs> I can't take sick days. Like I just, you don't start a job like this or have a job like this. And you're yeah. like I'm calling in every day because your kid's sick. Like I just can't do that. And so he was like, it's okay, I'll do it. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, right away, you've got to take like half your weeks off in sick days to, to take care of the baby. And you know, it's just hard. Like it, it, things yeah. have gotten much better. Um, those first few months were like, I was stressed to the max that I got sick too. When I haven't been sick in years, like I got a sinus infection. It sounds very pedantic, but it basically was like as unpleasant as it gets. And I was like, what have I done? I need to be able to like put more into this job. And I, and I don't want to feel like I'm coming up short, but at the same time, I don't want to, you know, shortchange Nick, yeah. uh, my son. And so I'm still like, yo-yoing all the time trying to figure that out but i i have i am very lucky here to be supported by again very very amazing management and then also um and also the people who work on the show like they're just awesome and they do a gr they do great work and i think as i get more familiar with them and vice versa it becomes a bit easier to manage almost like incrementally right it's like okay i have this many hours in the day i can you know a lot this many minutes like i don't think 2 months ago uh you know half an hour before my radio show i would have been able to do this interview but like right. now i i can manage my time to the point where that's possible and i have to kind of believe that every month it's going to get better in that respect. And uh, I'll, I'll get better and better at, at managing it and being able to put in the amount of effort and time that that I really want to. Uh, it's just, it, that didn't come naturally. <laughs> I mean, well, he, watching you, hearing you, I find that hard to believe, but also, no, I so appreciate your honesty and you you deserve it and all the support in the world. Like, And thank you for, for making the time for this as well, because you are oh. so busy. And so I do just want to ask if we have like a, a couple yeah, minutes more. No problem. And, and you know, and I, I understand this question doesn't get posed to men. But let's be honest, like as kind of the working moms, we do bear so much of the load, right? We bear yes. our, our careers, our lives, our families. So, and I know it's kind of a cliche, you know, question, but I'm going to ask it anyway, because you've, you've grown and learned so much from this experience. Do you feel that you have any advice to share? I feel always so like ill-suited to, to offer advice because I feel like I'm always on the verge of, you know, just the, bordering the, straddling the line between survival and being on the verge of failure. Um, <laughs> well, you've inspired me so much. Oh, that's like having a nice conversation. Oh so my like, gosh, that's so kind. Thank I you. I feel like you're very well suited. I think I honestly, the only advice I have is to, I am, I think when I look back on the decisions I've made during all this is like, I, I think I would regret not going for things more than I would 
going for them. Even inherent with all the juggles, all the mental load you have to carry, all the navigating of your relationships, all the you know, guilt associated with spending time away from your kids, I feel it all. And mm. I still think that I have an amazing opportunity to, for example, every Monday night have a panel of all moms talking politics and national security. Like that's my panel every Monday night yeah. for women who are all moms. Like I have the ability to do really cool things. And I, I'm, I'm trying to think of a better way to say it than I would in my real life. Like, you know, have well, you can kind of shape the lens that we're looking through as well. Right. Yeah. To I feel like it. privileged to be able yeah. to do that. And I just think like, have guts. And and I say that from, I know, a privileged position. And not everybody has all the resources available to them that I'm lucky enough to have. But I think that having ambition is something that we should never try to quell or never try to put on a back burner. And even if that means really difficult conversations with your partner or really difficult moments with them as you, that, that actually manifests, um, or it means hard conversations with employers or all that stuff. Like, you know, we are making it easier for people to follow in our footsteps, just like so many people who fought for everything that we can enjoy now did for us. And I sort of like, I if I could encourage people listening to no matter how hard it is, and it is hard, like I have had some low moments, just like keep like, you know, have that ambition and have guts and go for big things. Because I think at the end of the day, Uh, Your kid won't be worse for it. Your kid will be more proud of you. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please download, subscribe, follow, and share. Until next time.